Thank you for tuning in to the Carter Effect Podcast, where we will discuss faith, family, football, and life. My name is Nathan Carter, and I have the privilege and honor to speak to you today. So please feel free to sit back and relax as we dive into today's episode. God bless. What's going on, everybody? It's Nathan Carter once again. <laughs> God did I can't. God did it. The best way to start off a podcast, podcast. man. Every time. Just with a little giggle. Every time. So you gotta have a good go. What's going on? It's Car Effect Podcast once again, and I am in the room with great men, and I'm excited for the topic that we have for you guys today. And uh, as you know, we got the regulars. We got the Caleb Coley. We got the Jonathan Kim. We got the Phil Gillespie. And we got a new guest. Newbie. Give it up. Go ahead. Introduce him. Introduce him. Drum roll, please. The man of the hour. The Grand <laughs> Slam champ. <laughs> the strikeout king. Yeah, that's a good one. Caleb Sleeman. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the introduction. That was a great, actually really great introduction. That was good, bro. Yes. Hey, you can ask Stepping up that. your game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks. Oh. Yeah, thanks we for got, having me, Nate. Yeah, we got KLC in the podcast. We got restaurant by great men, and that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about what does it mean to be a man, and um, we're going to get into a lot of different subjects, and we're going to see, most importantly, what does the Bible say about it? And how can we look at the greatest man to ever walk this earth to see um, how we as men can live our lives? Um, one of the things that I see in this culture, especially with the term of masculinity or manhood, it's it, it comes from different avenues or venues. You know, some people, majority in, in our culture right now today, the definition of a man is someone who has a lot of money, someone who's ripped, and someone who can get girls. So... <laughs> So how, like, like, why is it, what's the reason for why that is the standard for what masculinity is in this world? Let's start off with that. Well, I think innately, um, a man, and I think God designed him this way, is embedded in him is a desire to go after something. Mm. Um, there's nothing wrong with desire. There's nothing wrong with ambition. But it's what is the object of that. And so in our cultural norm right now right the the idols of our day are sex power and money and so if a man is predicating his worth on those things he's going to go after them and so i think that's why a lot of men are intoxicated with chasing those three things mm. yeah part of <laughs> part of it's our nature um but it's also a choice that we made too i was as a, I was prepping for our time, I was reflecting on Romans 1. Um, and there's a verse, it's verse 25. It says, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature or the created thing rather than the creator. And so like all those things that, that men chase after are created things. Inherently, they're not bad. But we've elevated them to a place that um they weren't originally meant to be do you feel that like it's because of society has defined it as that's why people think like this like we mm -hmm. are we born with this are we born mm -hmm. with 
thinking these natural traits and then society glamorizes it. Mm -hmm. And that's why. Right. Is, is, does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, I think yeah. It, it takes input from both sides, right? Like I have a natural proclivity to elevate something other than God to the ultimate thing in my life. But that can be many different things. I think in our cultural moment, the things that you identified earlier are probably some of the things that are blasted and put to the forefront and really emphasized by the majority. So it seems like, okay, well now I gotta, I gotta go get those things. But you take many forms. It could be anything really. Yeah. So I think it's both. It's, it's cultural influence and what I'm naturally inclined to do. Yeah. Any other thoughts? What do you guys think about that as young men? Hmm. A better question would be like, how do you feel like, like, do you feel like you've been pressured in a way by society or by culture or even by like whoever you're around with to be a certain type of man as a young man as we are? Yeah. And I would say even with like football, like you, like you got to make it. You got to go D1 to make it. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I feel like that pressure, I mean, that's more towards the athlete side, but yeah. also thinking, like, to more towards the masculinity side. There are things that your friend groups in high school and, like, all these songs that we listen to that mm -hmm. put these certain things on pedestals. And you're like, oh, if this really cool artist I like is talking about doing all these really, really cool <laughs> things and they sound awesome, why don't I want to do them as well? Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, music, the music we watch, the movies we listen to, the shows, like, well, that's not, that's not what, I'm what is that? The music we watch, the, the movie, the music we listen to. <laughs> My brain just went like switcheroo. But all those things is like, they like it's like the world and what really Hollywood is what's defining manhood. Mm -hmm. You know, it's defining what this is what a man should be. This is how it is, and if you're not that, then you know you're a boy right mm. or, and like even for us like i think pride has a lot to do with that too like i feel like a lot of men put a lot of pride in wanting to be rich put a lot of pride in wanting to get a lot of girls put a lot of pride in wanting to make it big and i think that may be an identity issue mm. would you guys agree mm -hmm. so yeah i mean i think in in the core of our being right we as men are we want to know that we're enough and that we want to know that we have what it takes and that we matter. And the reason why we think that, and it's not a bad thought, is because God made us that way. He was the one who, if we had his like, we were good. But with sin came a separation from God. And now man is left to get his likes and his approval from other things. And so I think that's where the cultural moment is a big rudder to this ship because whatever the culture is valuing, that's where the likes are going to come from. That's where I'm going to feel like I'm somebody and I'll feel great about myself. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, none of them never work ultimately. Mm. What would you guys say are the qualities of being a great man? You know, 
I think an important quality, probably the most important quality, the foundation would be following Christ wholeheartedly. And as you're doing that, um, that will show you how to be a man. But I also believe it is important to hang out with men of God. Um, like the people at this table, they're all very strong men of God. So me being around them is just helping me learn what it means to be a man mm. as well as um, like how my dad raised me. But I think, um, yeah, it's important. Like the people that you hang around is extremely important because birds of a feather flock together. Mm. That's good, Caleb. Thanks. Is that man. a bar? <laughs> no, <Nah>, that's <laughs> that's a Caleb. Do you prefer catch that one prefer on the next album? Or <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, being being a man of God. Okay, that's a great quality. What other qualities represent a great man? Ooh, selflessness. Selflessness. Well, how do you elaborate? Like being selfless, like um, putting <laughs> others before yourself. Mm. You know the what this of, word means, man. The act of being selfless. <laughs> I think one that is overlooked is compassion. I think as mm. men, we're often mm. expected to be hard and really tough mm. and, and not really show emotion. But mm -hmm. um, I think compassion is one that's really overlooked. And, and you can't truly love somebody unless you show compassion to them. Mm. Good. That was good. Right I there. like that. that was good. Let's touch, on, good, that Jake, touch on that right there. Why, why is it? Because this is this is true in our world. Men can't be sad. Men have to be hard. Men can't cry. Like what? And I, and I feel like I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like it comes from like an old school mindset of mm. trying to be hard for your family, not you know, um, <laughs> not being able to show your emotions because you may seem weak. Like where did this come from? I don't know, but I know I heard this thing in high school that was like, um, if a female sees you cry, then they won't respect you. And then as a man, like like mm -hmm. for the worldly definition of man you kind of need females like to make you feel like you're of some kind of quality but mm -hmm. like if you're crying they don't respect that so if they don't respect that they don't want to be around that so mm -hmm. then you got to be hard you got to act like nothing bothers you like you know it's emotionless like numb yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, don't you guys think that the sum of world history you know leading up to our point a man has literally had to stuff emotion to work hard to fight in battles, to work by the sweat of his brow, mm. um, there was there's no time to show to show weakness. And I think after a while, when you have enough millennia of that, you start to think that's what a guy is and what he should and shouldn't do, right? Mm. Dead air. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys do, do any of you have a hard time showing your emotions whether it's with specific people or in specific circumstances or even maybe looking back at a young when you guys were younger um like mm. has it ever been hard to be like i have to let go of my emotions and why do you think it was if if it has been it's a good question i think for me um I, I've never been afraid of feeling, <clears throat> I guess I got to be careful how I word this. Um, I've always felt comfortable showing emotion um, when it comes, when those feelings are rising up, but there's always been this fear of getting to that place. Like, okay, well, if I know that there's a potential for 
you know, some type of sadness or anger or whatever may be seen as weakness um, to run from that, to run from that space. Um, whether it's because I have a certain image that I need to project of myself or um, yeah, maybe if it's a fear of what, what actually getting to that place is going to mean, there's going to be some uncomfortable confrontation or um, <laughs> actually being faced with the reality that I can't do everything on my own. Mm. Um, so it's almost like you play the outcome in your mind before you even let the waterworks go. Right. Yeah. Uh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that is something that um, I guess has been really prominent in my life lately is this not just um, like in relationships with other men, being able to say, actually, I don't have it figured out. Because again, we have this idea of, well, a man is supposed, especially, especially in our culture, um, the American dream has done great things for the world. Um, it's lifted people out of poverty. Um, it's advanced society, not only in the United States, but around the world, but it's also inherently without us realizing it told us that we have to be the ones who do it all. We achieve, we secure our own destiny. Um, if I go out and work hard enough that in some way, shape or form, I'm going, I'm going to achieve the end goal on my own. I, I have the end game inside myself. And so I have to go out and do the work to get that. I have to go out and scheme, work hard, do whatever it is to reach that end goal on my own. And I think because of that, we've been sold a false bill of goods in terms of what authentic manhood looks like. Yeah. And that's a scary place for a lot of men to be where they, there's an incongruency in where they think they should be and where they're at. And like you said, Caleb, like they're told they're supposed to have what it takes, but they don't know how to get there. And, and I think a lot of the source of what you're talking about, Nate, is, you know, like, an, so you're running back, right? It's yeah. really hard for the quarterback to give you the ball if the quarterback doesn't possess the ball. Yeah. It's really hard for us as men to, to really embrace what it truly means to be a man if that was never modeled to us. Mm. Or if we don't like, I, it's hard to love when you have not mm. experienced true love. Yeah. And so you've got generational multiplication going on mm -hmm. where you got a lot of uh, adults, adult males walking around, but they're really boys emotionally. Mm -hmm. I haven't grown up. Yeah. Or and, learned. Yeah. And for those guys that are in those situations where they didn't grow up with a man in the household, they didn't grow up with someone to show them the way, it's like now they're being left to figure this all out on their own. Mm. Like, what can you say to those people? Like, I'm talking like middle school, high school, even college, even grown men mm -hmm. who are in their 30s or 40s 
and still are fighting with, man, my father was not in my life. Like, how do you deal mm. with that as a man? Mm. Yeah. That's hard in our culture because we're being parented or discipled by more than just parents mm. nowadays, right? Yeah. We grow up in a in an age where everything's at your fingertips. And so say a 10-year-old kid gets a an iPhone and he makes a Instagram and he's the algorithms given him thousands of videos to watch about you know what it looks like to be a man what are men doing well these are the things that men are doing so okay well what are the steps that i must take to get to that point we're being influenced by much more than just our parents yeah so understanding what those influences are is a huge first step what about you guys do you guys feel that um Growing up, based off of, do you feel like it was easier or harder growing up and trying to figure out what it meant to be a man, whether that may be because of the father in your life or the people around you, or maybe even the culture or the friends that you were hanging around with? Um, I feel like I was getting the idea of a man, like, confused because my dad raised me in the church and he would, like, be teaching me biblical principles, but then I would go to school. Um, and like the dudes in my school that were like the like popular ones were doing things outside of what I was being taught, but like they was getting all the attention. So I think I associated a, like being a man with it, with getting attention. So then when I see them doing this and then I'm thinking like, well, maybe my dad wasn't like, te like maybe my dad doesn't know what it means to be a man as a kid. Yeah. But, like, no, I know that's far from the truth, but that's just what I've seen, like, growing up. Type. Yeah. Does that seem like it goes back to the whole worshiping the created thing again? Because it's like, well, if this kind of behavior gets this kind of response, people liking somebody or giving them attention or status or whatever, I've elevated that to be the end game, right? Yeah. But as a kid, I wasn't really thinking about any of those things. I'm just thinking about, like, right. how can I be important, like, where I'm at? Like, mm -hmm. what's the quickest way to become important? Mm -hmm. But that's, like, middle school, ninth grade right. type knowledge. Yeah, I think I think it's important. I think what you're getting at, Nate, is that we know it's a given. There's a lot of guys walking around who struggle in this area. Is there hope? What do you What do you say to a guy like that? Um, in my experience, a lot of guys want to go deeper and discuss these things. They just don't know how to get there. Yeah. And it takes, it takes a man who is secure in who he is, even if he's ridiculed, right? He's okay. Mm -hmm. And to, to go into that space and ask the question, but to do it in a way that is a real balance. Because if you go in and you shame somebody and say, well, you're, you're not a guy, aren't you? Look at what you do. Look at everything you've done wrong. They're going to clam up. But to not talk about it is just to propagate what's going on. And so I think when you can, you can affirm a person for who they are, look past the inadequacies and see the, the Imago Dei, the image of God, 
the original Adam mm. of, of what God made them and call that forth and say, you know, your designer made you this way, mm. right? So we can, we can talk about Genesis one and two, but then it sets us up in a good way to talk about Genesis three and the fall of man when we sinned and, and being honest about our shortcomings without shaming, but to see that God isn't content just to leave us in our sin and shame, mm. hand out the curses and say, jump higher and try to look the part. He talks about in Genesis three, that there would be the ultimate man who would come from the woman who would actually deal with the root problem that manifests itself in fatherlessness and abuse of women and abdicating and all sorts of things and party behavior. Um, I think we can take our cues from that, right? We can be honest yeah. and yet say there's hope, but not caricaturizing and say, we just got to do this. But are we willing as men who maybe are further along, are we willing to sacrifice quality of a man, right? To love someone and bear the cost so that they might learn what it looks like. And honestly, that does not come with reading a PDF. Mm -hmm. How do we learn as men? We usually learn by watching, by doing, by rubbing shoulders and hanging around yeah. each other. But there's a cost to that. Yeah. It takes a lot of vulnerability and kind of breaking out of that hard shell that has just hardened over the years to be able to share for older men to share with young men. And mm. I mean, it takes vulnerability on both sides for the yeah. older men to be like, you know, this is how I thought it was. This is how I messed up in my life. And this is how you should live. That takes vulnerability. And yeah. then for the younger men to be in like, I got to share with you how I'm feeling too. Like, this is how the society is. This is how I feel like women are telling me how I should go. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think on both sides, it takes an equal mm -hmm. amount of vulnerability, equal amount of sharing, mm -hmm. you know, what's going on inside. Yeah. And I think when the mentor shares with the, the protege his vulnerabilities and say, I wasn't always like this, it gives the younger guy permission that he's okay, that he's in process, but God loves him enough that he doesn't want to keep him there. So there's the hope that's there, but it's rooted in enough reality to say, there's work to be done. Yeah. I want to talk a little about, about that process. And if you guys can look back in, in your college years, how was the process of going, think back of how we are, like 20, 21, or 19, 20, 21 year olds, to what you guys now, like what have you learned about mm -hmm. your own version of masculinity or manhood and how has that shaped from younger to what it is now? Mm. That's a question for those of us who are not in the younger <laughs> Not <age>. 19, 20, <laughs> or 21. <laughs> All those who are in that age group, raise your hand. <laughs> yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me, you caught my... <laughs> My re leftover oh, COVID. Um, I got a question for them too. They're not safe over there. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, I think Jay Kim's older than 21. Isn't he like 20, 27? <laughs> like 27. Well, 27. 27. Magically, Jonathan's passed me in age. It's like 12 <laughs> days. I'm 22. 23. 23. 23. 28. You, man, you fit right on BYU's football team, bro. <laughs> we'll save that for another podcast. Oh, gosh. These are disses. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, to answer your question, um, I guess I got to give a little context for what um, what my idea of manhood was coming into 
college. Um, So I grew up in a family where um, not necessarily, um, I don't want to say education wasn't prioritized. Uh, We just had a lot of people in our family that were manual labor. And so that was, I would say, being somebody, a man was somebody who exerted their body and and kind of tortured their body with the work that they did like i'm willing to put you know i'll get a hernia if it means i'll get the job done and make money to provide for my family um and so there was this this thought that i had of like okay well in order to gain the approval of my family and to really be one of them i have to i have to show my mettle like I have to show in some way, shape, or form that I'm willing to sacrifice whatever it takes. The thing is, there's part of that being sacrificial that that's that is part of being a man. Mm. Um, but when you're, you must prove that um, in order for me to really say that you're a man. It, then it becomes works based, mm. and so work hard so that I give you my approval. Um, and so coming into college, my thought of, you know, I just got to show everybody that I work harder than everybody else. And that's where my worth is going to come from. I was under recruited very lightly, like didn't really talk to many schools before coming to Michigan state. Like I was, I was actually coming to Michigan state just as a regular student and you know, in a story for another day, ended up getting an opportunity to play baseball. At the Michigan diamond State. in the rough. <laughs> right. The late bloomer. Um, Just call him Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so when I, when I got here, my thought was I got to do everything I can to make sure that my coaches and teammates think that I deserve to be here, that I need to earn it. And the thing was, it actually worked. From a baseball perspective, I outworked a ton of people and reached a point that most people would say, oh, his potential is probably only up to here. But because of hard work, I passed that. And so by the world's definition of success, you know, I'm doing what it takes. I've got this thing figured out. Away from the field, that same mentality is playing out where I've got all these people that I spend time with, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours a day with. I really want them to like me. And so that same mentality plays out where it's like, okay, I'm going to do whatever they say. This is how you get my approval. And that leads to being a natural people pleaser. I loved the approval that I got from that, but hated what I had to do to get it. I remember multiple weekends going home and just breaking down because I'm like, I just want to be liked. Hmm. I want to be approved. And yet everything that I have to do to get that makes me miserable. And it was really hard. That was, that was an extremely difficult time mm. in my life. Mm. And yet also because of this idea of what a man is, 
I didn't really feel like I had many people to talk to about that or that it was okay for me to talk about that. Because you need to have all the answers. Right. Because, figure it out. Because I have to figure it out and because I have to be the strong man. That's another thing that, um, you know, I don't know that we see it as much in America, um, but if you, got, if you ever get the chance to travel internationally and, and see some different cultures that highlight war achievements, mm. um, I've had the opportunity to travel to, um, just refer to it as a closed country. Wakanda. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but there are places around the world where like, what are the things that are highlighted in culture? Military achievement statues of the strong man the the victorious warrior in battle um that's what's highlighted and emphasized and that's what as a man in that culture you aspire to yeah thank you for that thank yeah. you yeah so that was the beginning that was the beginning of that journey for me um thankfully god didn't leave me there um it was actually a, it wasn't until I really was around people and other athletes that actually just loved me for me. And I, the first time that that happened for me was on a, a trip to South Africa. Um, there were, there were some people there that just loved me for me and I didn't have to do anything to get their approval. There was no, um, challenge that I must face or accept or, anything to do to get them to like, they just wanted to know me for me. And experiencing that kind of love was the first breaking down of this wall that I had built up around myself to preserve this kind of image. Yeah, Cece. Like you said, that was the first time you had felt that like, did like your friends and your parents growing up, like, do you feel like you had to uh, achieve their love as well? Mm. Yeah, I think that was, probably part of this idea of, you know, hard labor is what, what makes a man. And so whether it was the jobs that I worked as a kid, um, or even through my athletic achievements, cause athletics was my natural bent. Um, and so it's like, man, this is, you know, maybe it's not doing the, the family business, but maybe if I just work hard enough in baseball, then they'll see that, Oh, Caleb does work hard. We'll give him the stamp of approval. When I think something is so embedded in a culture, you don't even have to say it in words. You, you know it's there. Mm -hmm. And that's what I hear you saying is that your parents didn't have to tell you, Caleb, you only learn our love by working hard like a good Dutch boy. Right. <laughs> you, you know, you learn it from early on as a, as, a, as a kid, right? You look at adults and are they smiling at me? And if they are, you're happy with yourself. And if they're frowning, it shakes you. Mm -hmm. uh, to the core so we translate real real well from an early age yeah. on that so you talked earlier about genesis and how god was going to bring somebody to kind of flip the script and to um save us ultimately from our sins and obviously we know that that man was jesus and jesus is the perfect man so how specifically did Jesus flip the script on masculinity and how can we look towards Jesus to seeing what true manhood mm. is? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question, Nate. Um, I can remember 
listening to a, a pastor and author once talk about authentic manhood from the Bible and how Jesus modeled that. And, um, and in the truest, best sense of it, he talked about a real man rejects passivity. Uh, he accepts responsibility. He leads courageously. And then he expects or desires a greater reward. And, you know, I see all those embodied in Jesus um, that he, so men, so many men struggle with passivity, even from our first parent and Adam, um, abdicating from what he should have been doing. Um, and so many men, and I've struggled with this even in my story, uh, very much like the clownfish and finding Nemo, you want to hide in the sea anemone until it's safe. Poke your head out, look around, is it safe? Go back in and until everything is controlled and you know you won't get hurt, you'll come out. And you see this with guys and with girls. You know, they, they want to find out if she likes me first. Yeah. You know, yeah. does she like me? And, and then I'll initiate. Mm -hmm. Jesus risked his neck. He came, John chapter one says, to his own. He made the world and he knew he'd be rejected and yet he still came. So he accepted responsibility lovingly. Um, and he, and he, and he did it because what he had in mind was what I could be changed into. He went after me, you know, and in the Bible it talks about like he is the groom and his, his people are like the bride and, uh, he takes a bride for himself that he already knows who will be unfaithful. And yet he goes after that bride he flips the script because our world is conditional love. And, you know, we see it in athletics. If you perform, I'll love you. But if you don't, what we'll, we'll just hire somebody new or go to the transfer portal or something like that. And he doesn't. So he goes after us, but he just doesn't go after us and, you know, buys our salvation through some other means, but it's with his own blood. And I've always thought of it this way. He loves me. And he sacrifices. He doesn't sacrifice because that's the cultural expectation of, a, of an ethnicity or a culture, but he real sacrifice comes with the motive of love, not the motive of trying to earn my acceptance. And so imagine Jesus having a tube from his body going into yours or mine. And then there's a tube coming from my body going into his. And I'm sick and I'm sick with the disease of sin. And he's not. And he looks at me and he locks eyes with me and he says, I love you. And as he's locking eyes with me, coming from his body is his precious spotless blood. And then coming from my body is my dark, gross colored blood of sin. And his level of life is going down as mine is going up. To sacrifice means you cost. There's a payment. It will cost you something. If you want to love somebody and help somebody and support them, your level will go down because you're giving it away. And that image, and just like a, like a loving father with a son who has and needs a blood transfusion, that he would give of him and his life goes away as he takes upon my sickness so that I can be made whole. Paul says in Romans 5.8, you can't get anybody to do that for you. You know, you can't even find somebody to die for a good man, let alone a rebel. And I was the rebel. And he came after me. That's flipping the script. Yeah, that's really, really good. Thank you. What about you guys? Like, 
what about Jesus has changed your mindset about manhood as us as young men? Everything. Um, I mean, like we talked about approval. Um, I always felt like I had to get all these accolades to receive approval. And, you know, I always worked hard in my sport because <clears throat> people always told me how good I was, right? You know, my whole life I'd always been told how good I am. And then mm -hmm. I come to figure out who Jesus is and I realize I'm not good enough, right? And so that completely changed my mindset of, oh, I can do whatever I want, I'm good enough, to actually I need to turn my life around 180 and because I'm not good enough. Nothing I do will be good enough to live up to what is expected um, in order to make it to the kingdom of heaven, right? And and so Jesus was the only one who did that. And, you know, seeing how he lived and trying to mirror that as close as possible is really what has changed my life. Thank you. Mm. What about you, Mr. Colin? Oh, you took yours? Dang. <laughs> he took your kicking example. <laughs> no, that was good. I feel that it's it's amazing for us to hear from older, wiser men as you guys is as young men to learn from you. And I really hope that a lot of young men get from this podcast is that there are men out there who can teach you the way. Mm -hmm. And I hope that what older men get from the podcast is that you have influence and that you have the ability to teach young men how they should go. You know, um, I want to finish up with this because there's a lot of men out there who are like myself and Jonathan who are preparing to be married or preparing mm -hmm. to lead. And this idea of leadership is also another thing that's constructed with masculinity. So how in you guys' life as married men, what does it look like to lead? What does it look like? What does it truly mean to provide, mm -hmm. to protect? Does that mean I have to have muscles and have a whole mm -hmm. bunch of money? Like, like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. you, have to, you have to rake a lot, I think. <laughs> Mow the lawn. Dishwasher. <laughs> dishwasher. But do if your wife doesn't see you unloading the dishwasher, did it really happen? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, well, I will say this. Taking our clues from um, Jesus, right, in Ephesians 5, and, and it just so happens, right, that um, I have the joy of going through pre-marriage counseling with both of you guys and your fiancés. Um, leader, uh, there's a lot of skepticism in leadership today mm -hmm. because people have abused it. Um, like the word king, uh, that the man would even have an idea of being a leader or a king in his home, but like the truest the people in the community and in the home and in the marriage and in, in, in the city, whatever, right, flourish when the leader leads like a servant, like mm -hmm. Jesus did. You know, in Ephesians 5, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Mm. When you look at that, Jesus had purpose behind all of his moves. He calculated, and then the motive was love, and it was, and the, the motive behind the action was because I want mm -hmm. to, again, give of, my, my, give of myself so that you may benefit, whether it's my words or my actions. 
And so our culture thinks of love as a feeling or a noun. Yeah. It's a verb, to quote the old DC Talk song. Mm. Love is a verb. Jesus demonstrated that. So if I'm just if I just look at our cultural definition of love, it's like, wow, the husband's got it easy. So, you know, <laughs> love the wife and the wife. Why? What's yeah. that word? That's the S word. Give her a hug and a kiss <laughs> and just everything is great. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the remote. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all, right? The, to what? How did Jesus love me? Mm-hmm. And if I double click on that and I'm honest, the, the world would not have room in the books that could be written and how he loved me right. and gave himself up for me. Mm-hmm. That is an awesome responsibility right jonathan yeah. with abby yeah. yeah nate with maddie that's that's a responsibility mm-hmm. it's a command but it's a gracious invite where the lord is saying son imitate me yeah. and i will help you and that's the good thing mm-hmm. because we don't have it in and of ourselves right. when the pressure gets hot to sacrificially love why mm-hmm. because the sin nature Mm-hmm. still resides within us. Yeah. We're not a slave to it, but it's it's there, all right. Yeah. Whispering in our ear. That's and I was just gonna you led perfectly into what I was gonna say. Um, I teed it up for yeah, you. Yeah, you did. <laughs> um another great passage that piggybacks off of Ephesians five is John fifteen, um verses twelve and thirteen. It says, This is my commandment, this is Jesus speaking, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Um, So again, highlighting the sacrificial nature of, especially in light of Ephesians 5, where the husband's commanded to love the wife. What is love? Being willing to sacrifice your wants, your desires, and in extreme cases, your life for your spouse. the, the thought that I had when I was going through pre-marriage counseling was, okay, you know, maybe I read a chapter in a book on this, or I, I listened to a podcast about sacrifice. I'm prepared. Now I've got it. Automatically, you know, get that uh, whatever level of preparedness, and, and now it's just going to work out great in marriage. The thoughts been planted, the idea, what I should aspire towards is there. But I mean, I'm I'm about to have in July will be my fourth anniversary, fourth wedding anniversary. Hey. Yes. <laughs> um, and one of the biggest things that I've learned in marriage is that it does not come easy. It is something that just what we were talking about earlier with vulnerability and transparency, yeah. being able to say to somebody like, you know, early on during, you know, the puppy dog honeymoon phase, yeah, hon, I'll do the dishes every night. Everything's great. That doesn't last forever. You enjoy, <laughs> I'm speaking of myself. I enjoy the comfortability of the couch. Mm. <laughs> Especially that new couch you got. Yeah, right. I enjoy watching the YouTube videos that I want to watch. That's comfortable. Mm. And over time, if I'm not careful and I'm not being reminded, there's a reason why God commands us to remember so much in scripture. If I'm not being reminded of 
my call as a man and what it looks like in the context of marriage, I will forget because I'm, I'm Jacob's son. I'm Adam's son. And that nature, like you were talking about, Phil, still resides in me. So my natural desire is still to elevate self. And yet that's the exact opposite of what Jesus did and what we're called to embody in marriage. Which is good news that the Lord helps us. Exactly. And, you know, I can't under, uh, overstate the importance of um, connecting with the Lord mm -hmm. on a daily basis, right? We, we've all been to Christian con concerts or conferences where we're like, you know, lay it all on the ground, you know, at the altar. Mm -hmm, Just yeah. bring it on. You like make promises to God that tomorrow will be outdated, right? The problem with living sacrifices is they crawl off the altar, as the old saying goes. And so it's easy for me to promise. But tomorrow I'm going to have to freshly submit to the Lord's power and let him lead me mm -hmm. and let him love through me. Because like you said so well, Caleb, it's, I mean, your sin nature is like your shadow. Yeah. You know, I mean, Peter Pan tried to get rid of it. He couldn't. You know? <laughs> it's mm -hmm. It's there. It, it, it's until we go to be with the Lord. Yeah. I would say the greatest <laughs> gift of manhood is having other men. Mm. To be able to just be real with and be like, man, I really, I'm struggling in my desire to serve right now. That's been really hard. And somebody to be able to say, yeah, I get it. I've been there too. How can we encourage each other to follow that that call that God's place on our life. Yeah. So that's one really encouraging thing that I see is like you guys have that with yeah. each other. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And you know, just listening to you guys is is just so encouraging. Like this is a podcast I'm just going to listen back over and over and over again because there's just so many good things that were shared and um you know for the young men as me and Jonathan and Caleb and even guys younger than us, you know, I hope that this podcast is something that opens a doorway for a conversation where you can find an a, a older man in your life or even talk amongst your friends to talk about being a man and what that means. And most importantly, just looking towards Jesus um, as a perfect man. And mm -hmm. that's such an amazing and wonderful principle that um, I hope that we all remember and, and never forget. So thank you guys for that. Thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah. Anything else? Any other thoughts, comments, concerns? Well, enjoy the sunshine. Mm. While it lasts. While, While it lasts. lasts. Yeah. <laughs> Coming to you live from Michigan. It doesn't last. <laughs> well, yeah. Thank you guys once again. Um, Caleb, thanks for popping in once again. We're definitely going to have him on a podcast um, a lot more times. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys. And we'll talk to you all later. Peace. Peace. <laughs> If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend, family member, or anybody that you think would benefit from listening to this. If you feel led to support this podcast in any way, please feel free to do so. Let me know what you guys want to hear or any subject that you guys want me to talk about in my next episode. Always remember to keep God first, and I encourage you today to stay hungry and stay humble. See you next time on the Carter Effect Podcast.